Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Many ways to improve your mental situation and move your life forward. And if you've dealt with maybe a negative situation involving somebody and you find it tough to say, I forgive you, you got to flip that around because it'll change your life. The power of forgiveness huge. And we're going to dig deeper into that today. It's been proven in research. We're going to find out the different ways that you can forgive and move forward. And she knows all about that. She helps people with those and many other situations to help transform their life. And she is actually an intuitive transformation coach. Hope you live your authentic self. Jade Lauren is on the program with us. Hi, Jade. How are you? Hi, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. And Whenever we come up with that that moment where you need to forgive somebody, sometimes it's easier than not. Depends on what the situation was. However, when we say forgiving, we're not necessarily condoning what the other person may have done. It's more of absolutely you're doing it for yourself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. One of the reasons that I have found uh, in my practice and and even in my own life is that. We have been conditioned to believe that forgiving is done for benevolent purposes. Mm. That, uh, you know, that we're just supposed to basically turn the other cheek. And that is what creates the issue for us because we also know internally and at a soul level that we have value and that no one has the right to mistreat us. So it creates a a dichotomy there because of our conditioning. And so what I like to remind people of and when I'm working with my clients is that forgiveness is a totally selfish act. It has nothing whatsoever to do with benevolence, and it has nothing to do with the other person. You forgive for totally, completely selfish reasons. You do not want that energy in your psyche You do not want the anger and feelings of betrayal to lodge themselves in your cellular structure. So forgiveness is entirely selfish. You let go of it and you release it for your own benefit, not for the other person. Mm. So a couple of thoughts I have here. The first one is they don't care anymore. They've already moved on. You're the one that's allowing them to control you. Easier said than done to release all of that. (laughs) Well, actually, when you look at it, that they don't necessarily know. Remember that we all come from a different sociological and psychological background. And so sometimes what they did to you may not even register because it's nothing that they even thought you should have took offense to, you see. So when you release things, you take all that into consideration. They don't necessarily know that they've done anything. And so, of course, they move on. And so when you, when you can look at it from that standpoint, you know, I always say, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. And take the time when you're, when you're trying to release. And when I'm working with my clients, I tell them this. I tell them, you know, let's relax and go back and look at the incident. Because there's always three aspects to any given scenario. Because we all work from perception. So it's going to be my perception, how I perceived what you said or did. 
It's going to be your perception of, of what you perceived that you said or did in a situation. And then it's going to be what actually happened. Because remember that when we, when we have an encounter with another person, everything is coming from our perspective, not theirs. And whatever we've got going on at the time, uh, we could be in not the right place. We could have had an, ups, an unsettling day. And then an incident occurs with another person or a family member or a loved one, and we perceive it completely out of character. And, and I want to stop here to say that I had a cousin uh, in L.A., and when you walked in her door, she raised six girls alone. And when you walked in her door, she had a big plaque right in her entryway. I mean, you'd walk in her front door, and it, and it hit you in the face. And, you know, see, she said, I know you think you understand what you heard me say, but I wonder if you realize that what you heard is not what I said. Hmm. And I, I always have remembered that. I saw it 25 years ago, and I have never forgotten that. And even in my practice right now, I remind people that you may know what you said, but that's not necessarily what the other person heard. And vice versa. And so when we think of situations, now it becomes easier to forgive because then we can say, you know what, I may have received that and I may have perceived all these ideas about what this person said or did. It's not necessarily accurate. So let's, let's flip it around. Let's, let's center on somebody doing something to you where they're aware of what they did. It's, it's very clear. You know, maybe just okay. a bad energy. Um, but again, they, they did it. And they probably, you know, many times, and listen, if they, if they did something and didn't intend to do it, they would say they're sorry. But let's say they just moved on. Hey, it's on you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's hurtful. It's hurtful to you that okay. they did this. How mm-hmm. do you come up with the strength to forgive them? And I love what you said in the beginning. I was just, just getting... A stronger feeling for it. It almost seems sometimes like it's a, a point of weakness when we forgive somebody because we're giving it up to them. You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're more vulnerable. They don't even have to know that we forgave them. Um, right. But how do you find the strength to do that? When you realize that you are doing it for your own benefit. Hmm. You see, we are, we are, it's very important. We call narcissism, you know, we've labeled it a bad word. But I always go all the way back to uh, when I think in terms of why we were created, when I go all the way back to the idea of a creator. Because regardless of the science, regardless of even your Big Bang theory, something intelligent set everything in motion. And you're never going to get away from the fact that life just did not sporadically happen. Something, Something set it all in motion. So when I look at that and I think why, we always generally ask ourselves, you know, why are we here? Why were we created? What was the purpose? Well, first of all, we can't know. But it's a selfish act. Life wanted to express itself. And we are the benefactors of all that the creator is. So we are divinely and inherently selfish. So when you understand that forgiveness is a completely selfish act. You do it for yourself and yourself only. You are not doing it for the other person. Right. 
You're doing it for you. And when you look at it that way, believe it or not, it is much easier to release. Because you say, you did this to me, or you said this, or, you know, it, it felt hurtful. And then I also have to realize, yeah, it felt hurtful, but then what in me is hurt? Why am I hurt? You see, so it always gives you an opportunity to look within. Everything that occurs on the, on the without gives you an opportunity to self-reflect because everyone that comes into your life is either your teacher or your student. And so when you look at it that way, hmm. you're either there to teach them something or there to teach you something. We all are here to help each other evolve. So everyone that comes in your, in your life, into your world and in your affairs, they're either a student or a teacher. Is it possible so that the roles, Jade, go back and forth where? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. The roles go back and forth. Sometimes you're the student and sometimes you're the teacher. And so what happens is we become, when we learn to be aware, I always say when uh, most people are sleepwalking. So when you stop sleepwalking and you start walking into awareness, then you start to understand, oh, okay, I'm hurt about this. Why am I hurt? What is the hurt telling me? What do I need to know? Why did this hurt me? This person did this or said this, and it really hurt. Why did it hurt? You see? So now I've got an opportunity to self-reflect. I've got an opportunity to have a lesson here. Does that make it easy for me to forgive and release? Absolutely. To even be grateful, even to be thankful for that opportunity. Because you cannot grow if you do not create for yourself scenarios in which you can grow. So let's say we've made that decision. We've, mm-hmm. we've kind of figured it out that we've, we need to forgive. It's, it's uh-huh. going to be impactful. It's going to be a good thing. Uh, how do we do it? What's, what are the steps? Uh, again, I know it sounds like a broken record, but breathing. Breathing and simply telling the body to let go. And you may want to verbalize it. Let's say, let's say that someone hurt you. Identify what the hurt is. Maybe the hurt is attached to memories of abandonment. Maybe the, maybe the hurt feels like betrayal. What does it feel like? And then I like to give things a symbol because the subconscious does not speak English or any other words. It doesn't work in words. It works in pictures. Oh. So when we're working with things, give it a symbol. So let's say that the feeling is betrayal. It reminds us of betrayal. This person said something uh, that, you know, caused a backlash for us, but the bottom, bottom line was we felt betrayed. So I will give a symbol for betrayal. I will ask my clients, what, when you close your eyes and think of betrayal, what is the picture you see? And then I tell them to take that symbol and say, okay, I release this from my body temple. I release this from the subatomic level of my being. I release this. I let this go. I move this to my higher self for purification and dissipation. And then you move that energy that transmutes that same energy of feelings of betrayal. Remember, we're energy beings. So we utilize all energy, either negatively or positively. Depends on how we want to use it. So you take that energy and you just imagine in your being that this symbol 
of betrayal is going up beyond yourself, just as an example, and as an idea of going to your what I call a God realm. Just imagine yourself going up, 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 up until you get to a level that you really know is your God realm, whatever that looks like and feels like to you. And then see that energy, that symbol, dispersing in light. And so now that energy, that very negative power, because it is power, that feeling of betrayal is power and energy. You want to transmute it because you cannot erase energy. It has to be transmuted and transformed and changed. It doesn't go anywhere. So this is the process that you do it with. And then that energy filters and you say harming no one and depriving no one but used to its highest and best good. So you transmute energy. That's all you can do with energy. Because if you don't do that, if you don't do some kind of releasing, what does it do? It harbors in your own body, in your own energy field. And it stays there, and for lack of a better word, it, it just becomes a lump. It becomes heavy, and, and it draws to it everything like itself. So every time you feel betrayal, it's going to add to that spot in your body that the betrayal is sitting. And this is where we then start to get our cancerous growth. This is where we start to get, get stagnant energy. This is where all this stuff is. It's accumulated bad feelings that you have not transmuted that energy. So it has nowhere to go. It doesn't know what to do with it. So this is why you release. And when you release, as I said, and then as you breathe and as you release, you start to feel better. And you let that go. And I always test, and I have my clients test this too. I said, when you see that person again or when you recall the energy, you know that you have released and forgiven if you have no reaction to that person or you have no reaction to that thought. It's just something that's just very matter of fact. That's when you know you're done with it. And you keep doing the process until it becomes opaque, until you have no reaction when you see that person. It doesn't come to mind. I can, I can know that um, one of my ex-husbands, whenever I think of him and see him, all I remember is the fun times. And when I talk to him, I don't feel any anger or nothing comes to mind except, hey, how are you doing? How are things going now? That's when you know you've moved on. However, and was there a time where there was animosity, hurt, anger? Oh, my goodness, yes. And I had to work through all of it. Yes, absolutely. And that's how I did it. I worked through, okay, what was he teaching me? What did I need to learn? And that's where we start. That's where I start with my clients. Start with the lesson. Everyone that moves into your life, I like one of my old mentors said, life is a lesson and a blessing. You will continue to get, you will not get the blessing from everything you've been taught until you learn that lesson. So when I flip it all the time, when I get upset with people, I still get upset. I'm on the planet. When I still get upset with people, that is the first, my first go-to. Okay, this is my teacher in this situation. What is my lesson here? What did you come to teach me? And that, believe it or not, Stephen, helps you in your forgiveness because they no longer become the antagonist. They become the teacher. And even when you change that, if you notice you shift, if you take a second right now and think about somebody that you have them in the, in the category of an antagonist, 
to you. They are a thorn in your side. All of a sudden, shift and say, no, they're my teacher. And notice how you feel inside, the difference between how you look at that person. How long did it take you to make that transition in the situation with your ex to to get to the point of, yeah, I'm good. I, I have no negativity when I think of that person. Oh, only about 90 days. Hmm. Yeah, doesn't take long at all. When you, when you shift, you have to, but first you have to shift where you see them, how you see them. You've got, like I said, all of this is within you. So the very first thing you do is you have got to feel the pain. Absolutely. We're human in our human aspect. You've got to feel that pain. That pain is necessary. We are emotional beings. The first body over our physical body is the emotional body. So we're going to feel all of this. And so whatever you need to do, uh, I sometimes write. I sit down with a pad and I just cry. And I let those feelings up and out because I know that as long my emotion and my intellect are designed to work together. And the emotion is powerful. I cannot start to put everything together until I experience those emotions. So I may cry, and or sometimes I may have, uh, I'll put on comedy, and I will laugh through that sad feeling because what I want to do is shift. I want to shift the energy of what I'm feeling. Now, I'm not ignoring it. I'm just shifting it so that I can work with it. And then I start to see that, okay, what did he come to teach me? What did I learn from this experience? What lesson did I get that's going to make me wiser? more compassionate, what have I learned here? Because I also don't want to bring this person back in my life. Because remember that we're going to repeat that lesson until we get it. So I don't want another person. I say, okay, you know, thank you, Source, for bringing this person into my life. Now let's work through this because I don't want to see him show up again. Because he will show up again. This is why sometimes you see people that tell you they marry the same person. You know, they keep marrying the same person. You marry, and and they come in different clothing. Sometimes it takes them a year to find out that they married their ex, or sometimes it takes them five years to find out. The person is going to keep showing up because they are your teacher in this respect. So once you know that, start to dig for the lesson. I tell all my clients that it's about healing and growing and evolving. And sometimes you are the teacher because sometimes the person may never admit to you how bad they feel about how they treated you because sometimes they really can't face you. They really can't. So in that respect, you have also become their teacher because sometimes in the quiet of their own psyche, they go, I will never treat another woman like I treated my ex-wife. I'll never do that again. So we always, when we learn that everyone in our life, that's why they're there. Now, is it reasonable to sometimes think that maybe we treated somebody a certain way because it was just the dynamics of the relationship or that's the way maybe they treated us? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a, there's a little bit of I'll get you back in all of us. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm, and most of the time, um, and sad to say, many, many, many times, more than, than I care to even think about, I'll have clients. I've never been a revengeful person myself. I just don't ever take the time. But I've had a lot of clients come to me that if they can't punish 
the person that uh, that was their antagonist, they punish the next person that comes into their life. Hmm. And, and they feel a sense of, I'm getting back at him because I'm mistreating this person. Or I'm closing myself off to you. I'm never going to let you in. So, you know, I always say don't punish the, the, don't punish your current person for what your prior relationship done. But many, many, many of us do because why? We don't process the things in our life. We move forward, but we don't process. And that's one of the things I see in my, in my uh, field over and over and over again. And all counselors and therapists and transformation coaches will all tell you the same thing. People are coming because they don't process their life. They just move on, they carry all the hurt, they carry all the pain, and they bring all of that baggage into the next relationship. Would you say, like, to, to make sure that you don't call it punish the next person, if you, if you practice forgiveness, then you've, you've pretty right. much moved on from it. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. And, and even to practice forgiveness, it still even takes process. You still have you still have to process the event. This is one of the things I tell my clients: don't walk through life unconscious. You must process the events in your life. Yes, you have to forgive and you have to release. And the first step in that forgiveness and releasing, especially, especially if it was painful and traumatic, you must process it. You must. But you process it, and again, this is where hypnosis. It's so effective because you can process an event without experiencing the pain over and over again. Because we go back and we look at it as an event. We look at it as a past event, but we remove feeling the emotion. This is what, why hypnosis is so effective. It's because you don't have to experience that pain again, but you can look at it. And now you're looking at it from what I call a high, your high mind. You're looking at it from your high mind, from your spiritual plane. You're looking at this event just as an event. And now you can see the lessons, the blessings. You can see all of that. And it makes forgiveness and releasing that much faster. Well, I do have, when you say releasing, I do have that visual, Jade, of mm-hmm. you know, giving it to the universe and yeah. giving it a symbol and in my mind, yes. it was something, could have been a balloon, floated up yes. and just kept yes. going. But I have to tell mm-hmm. you, you know, in in researching and learning about the subconscious, I have never heard that it it is symbols. It, it you know, it yes. doesn't know language. Never heard that yeah, before. It doesn't, it doesn't hear language. It, it works on emotions and symbols. Because remember that the universe, they've already proven that the universe is mathematical theory. That, well, that, that, that it's mathematical and it's geometrical. And so when you look at it that way, when you look at your universal essence as mathematical, theoretical, and symbology, then it makes sense that your psyche goes by how you feel and, and the picture that you're holding. Because that's how it connects. It doesn't, doesn't hear words. It, it, it feels, it hears emotion and sees the picture at the time and connects the two. This is why when you work with the law of attraction, when people talk about the law of attraction, and they use it simply, but the law of attraction is, is much, much more in-depth than they, than they try to get you to believe. But 
the essence of it is true. See the picture and create the emotion. When you create the emotion with the picture, that locks into your psyche or your subconscious realm, which is connected uh, in, through the sympathetic nervous system. It is connected. So it sees that picture, feels the emotion, and creates the event. Because remember, that's the job of the ego. The job of the ego is to create the events for you that you envision. This is what it does. This is its job. It, it, it brings whatever it is that you want to project out back to you. Whatever it is that you desire, you have to form the picture and attach the emotion. So it's the same thing, picture, symbol. It's not looking, looking for words. The psyche doesn't know anything about I need to have. That's why they tell you, don't say, I don't want to get cancer, cancer, cancel. Because the psyche doesn't hear don't. It doesn't know one word from another. Okay, so let us let me just process that for a second. And I was just yeah. going there. Mm-hmm. If it works in symbols or visuals, uh-huh. how uh-huh. does the subconscious hear what, what you just said? Or any any related statement, like for example, you know, somebody says, I, you know, I, I'm never going to make money. It's just, I'm not. It's just not going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to buy that car. The subconscious, uh-huh. in my understanding, is it's just hearing, can't buy that car, not make right. money. Right, and you're feel and you're feeling that. Remember, you got an emotion with that, because if you pay attention, when you pay attention to your mo- emotions, let me suggest to you, if I have you recall a joyous emotion, can you feel the joy? Yes. Okay. It's the same thing. And if you say that you can't do something, what do you feel? Don't you feel kind of down, a little depressed, a little, oh, I'm never going to get? Sure. You feel blocked. You see what I'm going? Dejected. Sure. Yes. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Well, the, the, that's what the subconscious is looking at. That's what your psyche is looking at. Okay. What's the picture in the mind? And you're talking to somebody. You ever notice that when you're talking to people, you think in pictures? You get visuals, sure. Same thing if you um, try to you remember somebody's name. Exactly, exactly. Okay, get a visual. So you get a visual. So the psyche is looking at the picture and feeling the emotion and saying, "Okay, here's the car." Because if you talk about a car that you want to buy, doesn't that car come to mind if you've ever seen it? You get the visual of it. Yes, you get the vis, and you get the visual as soon as you start speaking. If I say the word flower, what happens just now? You see a flower. <laughs> That's right. But, but what don't you see? You don't see F-L-O-W-E-R, do you? But how come, you know, with all this being said, how does uh-huh. your subconscious differentiate between different things? For example, when we talk about the emotion of, let's center on somebody feeling that they can't feel abundance. Maybe it goes back to their childhood. Maybe their parents said, uh-huh. you know, money doesn't grow on trees. What are you doing? And it's stuck with them. And they uh-huh. say to themselves now, again, I'm never going to make money. It's just never going to happen. Uh-huh. That emotion of not making money could uh-huh. could match another emotion, correct? How does your subconscious, not using words, as we said here, how does it know the difference uh-huh. between that emotion and another emotion? That is why in your mind you have synapse. Because what happens is every every thought you have is categorized and connected to another thought in your in your neural pathway. So this is how it sets up. Everything is designed to work together. So if you just 
feel a little bit, let's just say on a scale of 1 to 10. Let's say you're feeling because a lack of abundance can be traced back to unworthiness. And it'll be varying degrees of unworthiness, but that is going to be the root issue. You have to go back and find out where did I get an idea that I am not worthy. Poverty is always about unworthiness, not feeling worthy, always, every time. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter. It comes from being made to feel unworthy and not valuable. And so you trace that back. Now, you're going to have a level from 1 to 10, just for the sake of our discussion here. And 10 may be money. That may, that may be 10 because you grew up in a family that maybe the family came through the Depression. Money doesn't grow on trees. Yep. You can't have. You were born on 40, 43rd and Halsted in Chicago. You're never going to be anything. You're never going to make anything of yourself. Never, never, never. And that, and that has been reinforced, reinforced. So that's a 10. So anything that is said in that, in that arena is going to hit that neural pathway and there is that picture of unworthiness. There's that picture of poverty. And that is going to superimpose everything that you do centered around money. Because, again, money is a symbol. The psyche doesn't see M-O-N-E-Y. Everything is a symbol. Everything is a picture. The subconscious talks in pictures, but it will only catalog for something that has to be reflected back to you the strongest emotion. If, because we think all the time. The mind is designed to think it never stops. It never stops. It goes from one thought to another thought to another thought to another thought. You can slow them down. You can slow the pictures down. And your thoughts are pictures. They're not words. With the exception of people that have, um, what do they call it, photographic memory. Sure. The, uh, we think in pictures. And so we think thoughts just flow from, from spot to spot to spot to spot. Your, your mind is not a blank screen. And I know there are some meditators out here that's going to yell at me right now, but it should never be a blank screen. You don't ever want to go there. You want to be able to control your thoughts. You don't want to stop them. So you're going to have this. And so what the psyche is doing is cataloging every thought and every emotion. The strongest emotions get tapped. Things that are just passing by that don't matter to you, don't get cataloged. But every picture that you see gets stored in your subconscious. Nothing passes it. That's why subliminal messages were so popular in the uh, 50s and 60s, and when they found out about them, they made uh, the drive-in theaters and stuff stop because they were using subliminal messages when people were at the drive-in theater and they were watching a, a story, they would flash popcorn and soda to the yeah. psyche, to the subliminal mind. And so you know, I, I think that even turned into, at one point, NLP was used for marketing and advertising yes. purposes. Yes, because when I, yes, when I got certified in hypnotherapy, we had to take NLP. Yeah. And I personally, and I'm certified in NLP, in NLP, and I never use it. And I never use it because I want my clients to learn how to control themselves. And under no circumstances do I want to implant suggestions and tell them how to act. I never, ever do that in my practice. But NLP is something that they make you learn mm. in order to certify you for hypnotherapy. So there's not a hypnotherapist out here, really, that is certified that did not have to take 150 to 200 hours in NLP. 
Jade, we're out of time. We're like way over time, but I it's like Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Uh-oh. I'll I'll take the hit. I'll, I'll I'll be the one that says I'm sorry, you know, to those that be. Uh, just powerful stuff today, and uh, you know, I've 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 heard you know about forgiveness and the power of it and all of that, but yeah. uh, you break it down even deeper levels, and uh, you know, you're fantastic. You have such amazing insight. Your website, orchestratingyourlife.com. If anybody's dealing with any issues of forgiveness and just wants to move their life forward or transform their life, you are without a doubt the person. Uh, and there's so much to talk about. I appreciate you and uh, and thank you today. Thank you, <laughs> it's really good. All righty. You have a good one. You too. Look forward to next time. All right. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.